You're listening to Time in the Word. In today's study, Dr. Gonzalez will cover part two of the true face of the apostates, wrapping up his look at the characteristics of their true nature, pointing out their deception, defilement, contempt, blasphemy, way, and poverty. As God ministers to you through these series of studies, and as you experience God's loving grace in your own life, share these podcasts with others so that they too may be blessed by God's word and his amazing grace. Now, here's today's teaching with Dr. Gonzalez. This is part two of our study of Jude, verses 8 through 13. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Jude, and I'll start reading in verse 8. I'll read the whole text through verse 13. In the same way these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet, when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand, and what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feasts, and they eat with you without reverence. They're shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along with wind by winds, trees in the late autumn fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They're wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars from whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. So Jude exposes the false teacher's true colors by highlighting characteristics of their true nature, showing parallels to past apostates and making comparisons with natural phenomena. He points out their deception, their defilement, their contempt, blasphemy, their way, and their poverty. During our last study, we looked at verses 8, 9, and 10, in which we discussed their deception, their defilement, their contempt, and their blasphemy. We will take a look at the remaining verses and look at the final two characteristics that Jude points out here. Next, Jude points out their way or their course. He says in uh, verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. That phrase, for they have gone the way of, speaks of the direction or the way in life. It is the course they follow. So Jude lists three errors of the apostate's direction by likening them to three wicked men of the Old Testament. We notice first that they deny the blood. He says again in verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. The way of Cain is found in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. We know that God required a blood sacrifice. Abel brought the lamb, Genesis 4, 4, a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, and God accepted his sacrifice. But Cain brought the fruit of the ground, Genesis 4, 3 a product of his own works. God rejected his offering and he became violently angry, the text says. The Bible places the utmost importance upon the bloodshed of Christ. In Colossians 1.14, Paul said, In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
In Ephesians 2.13, Paul said, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Leviticus 17.11 tells us, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. Of sin, the Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God's unchallengeable law of holiness, righteousness, and justice require death to be the wages of sin. Because of sin, man stands condemned before God. What man had, he lost to the devil in the garden. We were left naked and sinful before God. We can in no way pay the price for our salvation. In fact, left to ourselves, we are helpless and hopeless, lost and sentenced to spend eternity in a devil's hell. The Bible declares in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that word ransom speaks of a price paid for redeeming slaves. And the idea is that that of paying the required price and setting the slave free from his bonds. The Bible pictures the lost, those who do not know Christ, as slaves to sin. Jesus said in John 8:34, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. On the cross, Christ shed his blood to pay the ransom and to set us free from the chains of bondage that enslave the human race. Again, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. The only way to be saved, the only way to be set free from the power of sin is by the blood of Christ. Yet Cain would not accept it, neither will the apostates. We also find that they're motivated by greed. Again, verse 11 says that they have gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit. Balaam was a prophet for hire, Numbers 22 through 24 and 31. Jude likens an apostate, apostate to Balaam. Apostates are out for what they can get. They're not interested in helping God's people. They're not real shepherds. They're hirelings. Jesus described the hireling in John chapter 2, verses 12 through 13 this way. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Apostates don't love the sheep. Their love is for money. Peter describes them in Second uh, Peter 2.15 as, as those who have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and had followed the path of Balaam, the son of Bosar, who loved the wages of wickedness. To Balaam, the ministry was just for profit. The wicked king of Moab hired Balaam to curse Israel. God interceded for his people, and Balaam pronounced the blessing of God upon Israel instead of a curse. The love of money ruined Balaam, and many have followed his way. And then we find that they reject authority. 
Jude Jude's next example comes from Korah's rebellion, verse 11, again in Jude. This account is found in Numbers 16. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram gathered a following of 250 men and rose up against God's ordained leaders, Moses and Aaron. And the Bible says in Numbers 16, 3, they came together against Moses and Aaron and told them, you have gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above, above the Lord's assembly? You see, apostates despise God-ordained authority. The sad thing is that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram had been greatly blessed by God with a wonderful place of service. Moses said to them in um, Numbers 16.9, Isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the Israelite community to bring you near to himself, to perform the work at the Lord's tabernacle, and to stand before the community to minister to them? They had a place of great service in the tabernacle of God, but all of that wasn't good enough for them. They wanted the foremost position. And Moses said in the next verse, verse 10 of chapter 16 in Numbers, but are you pursuing the priesthood as well? You see, apostates despise authority unless it, it, it is their own. After all, it didn't work out well for the Korah, Datham, and Abiram with all their goods were swallowed up when God opened the earth in judgment against them, Numbers 16.32. Their 250 followers were devoured by fire, Numbers 16.35. The brazen censers were made into plating uh, for the altar. Our God is a God of order and organization, and he appoints men to lead his people. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. A pastor, elder, or shepherd must be a man of God who oversees and leads the flock without becoming Lord over God's people. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 2-3, Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This in no way implies a dictatorship or a lordship over God's people. A thug in the pulpit is just as much a sin as a rebel in the pew. However, you never see a sheep leading the shepherd. The God-called pastor, elder, operates with delegated authority. It is an authority entrusted to him by God. And the apostate despises such authority. And the final characteristic is their poverty. Notice what it says in verses 12 and 13 of Jude. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feast as they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless. 
twice dead and uprooted. There are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. So Jude uses five metaphors to further describe the apostates. The first metaphor is they're dangerous. When he talks about dangerous reefs, he says, these people are dangerous reefs at your love feast as they eat with you without reverence. That term, dangerous reefs, speaks of a ledge or a reef of rock in the sea. And it pictures rocks that are just below the surface of the water. And these reefs can't be seen and ships run into them, resulting in shipwreck. Well, apostates are just like that. They are good at concealing their identity and purpose. Just as a ship's crew doesn't know about the reef until it's too late, the apostate has already done the greater part of his damage by the time he or she is discovered. They're also bankrupt. Notice what Jew says. They're waterless clouds carried along by winds. What a fitting picture of the false teacher of the apostate. The idea here is of a drought-stricken land. The drought has taken its toll on the, on the crops. The sun is blistering hot and the ground is dry and cracked. The time is critical. Without any rain, those crops will soon be dead and all will be lost. Then yonder in the distance, clouds begin to form and roll in over the fields. What a sight! Rain at last. But hours later, the clouds have cleared and there's still no rain. That is the picture of false teachers, of apostates, carried about by every wind of doctrine and wickedness. They appear to be the genuine thing, but after it's all said and done, there is nothing but hot air. The water of life has been withheld. And then the third metaphor is they are without life. Jude compares apostates, verse 12, to fruitless, twice dead, and uprooted. In other words, apostates do not impart life. They are spiritually dead. A dead tree cannot produce any fruit. And the apostate is like a fruit tree that bears absolutely no fruit. It must be cut down and destroyed. Jesus used the same analogy concerning false teachers and apostates. You recall that he said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 20, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Apostates are like barren fruit trees. They are worthless. The fourth metaphor speaks to the fact that they are corrupted. Notice in verse 13 of Jude, wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds. The waves suggest total instability or restlessness. And this is a fitting description of the apostate. Isaiah said in Isaiah 57, 20, But the wicked 
are like the storm-tossed sea, for it cannot be still, and its water churns up mire and muck. The waves constantly roll in, bringing debris and filth from the ocean. Once the tides roll in, the only thing left behind is the foam, the trash, the clutter. Here's a fitting picture of what apostates produce. When it is all said and done, there is nothing but scum and slop left behind. As a result, many churches and organizations have become polluted with the trash and clutter of compromise and apostasy. And then the final metaphor speaks to the fact that they are depleted. Apostates are described as wandering stars for for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever, Jude 13. Wandering stars refer to the shooting stars, which make a beautiful and brilliant show, but last for only a few minutes and then disappear into the darkness. Well, this is the picture of an apostate, a false teacher, who puts on a good show for now, but will ultimately be cast into utter darkness, according to Matthew 25, 30. Well, this ends our study of Jude, verses 8 through 13. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his precious blood that has redeemed us, that has reconciled us to you, that has justified us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is working towards conforming us more and more to the image of Christ. And thank you for your precious Word, for it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.